Thank you for joining the podcast today. My name is Kirby Mallon. I am the president of Cefesa, and we will be talking about PPP forgiveness today with Jessica Summers, who is an attorney at the Pally Rothman firm in Maryland and the director of strategic policy for the SBLC, which is the Small Business Legislative Council. Cefesa is also a member of the SBLC. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me today. It has been a pleasure working with Cefesa as a member of SBLC, and I'm excited to be here to talk about PPP loans. Why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience in this field? Sure thing. So as you mentioned, I am the Strategic Policy Director for the Small Business Legislative Council. I am also a practicing employment attorney. So as we've come through with the PPP loans, I've been working with both our clients uh, at the law firm as well as our SBLC members to navigate the PPP loan forgiveness process, all the rules that have been coming down the pike that we're going to talk about today, um, and how the SBA, the Small Business Administration, is uh, implementing those rules. And when we talk about PPP loans, that is the Paycheck Protection Program. But since it's such a mouthful, everyone usually uses the term PPP. Well, it's been quite a ride. I got I got to tell you, the um, the the program itself, at least for uh, from from my company, Elmer Schultz Services in Philadelphia. And other CFSA members that I've spoke to, uh, it, it was it was written perfectly for them, written perfectly for us. Uh, we were uh, in a position where we did not lay off a single person. Uh, the the money came along at the perfect time, and we utilized the majority of the money, or at least I hope we did, the way it was intended. So without without spending too much time on this first subject, um, let me ask you this: What amount of the loan is actually forgivable? So the great news for businesses like yours and the other CFESA members is that the PPP loans are eligible for forgiveness up to the full principal amount of the loan. So the idea here when the government created these loans was that they could essentially be converted to grants. Um, the critical caveat here is that not all businesses are going to be eligible to have the full loan forgiven. Um, whether a business will be eligible for the full loan forgiveness is going to depend on two overarching things that I'm sure we're going to dive into more today. But just to give you the preview, first, they're going to be looking at whether the loan proceeds were used for the purposes intended, so the forgivable purposes, and when those loans loan proceeds were used, so whether they were used in the covered period of time that the loan intended. And then they're going to be looking at whether um, any of the different rules that would cause a deduction or reduction to the forgiveness amount apply. Um, specifically, these tie into what a business did with its employees during the relevant period of the time when they received the loan. So whether they had any employees who were laid off, whether they changed rates of compensation, all of those factors will come into play in deciding whether or not someone's full loan amount will be forgiven or whether there will be partial forgiveness or no forgiveness. Hmm. Well, what if a portion of the loan is not forgivable? What would happen in that situation? So actually, if, it, if you just end up with a PPP loan being a loan and not actually converted into sort of this grant concept, it's actually still a loan that is a great deal. It's very generous. So the interest rate, if you have any part of the loan that is not forgiven, the interest rate is going to be 1%, which is better than pretty much any loan you can expect to get. Um, for loans that were issued 
before January, uh, sorry, June 5th, which is when we had this Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act that made some changes to the law, the original law that implemented the Paycheck Protection Program. If your loan was issued before June 5th, before that new law, it's going to have a two-year maturity date. If your loan was issued after um, June 5th, it's going to have a five-year maturity date. But essentially what happens is the loan payments are going to be deferred for borrowers who apply for loan forgiveness. So as the SBA is working out to determine whether you get full forgiveness, partial forgiveness, um, or no forgiveness, you don't owe any payments until they inform your lender about their forgiveness determination. If you don't apply for loan forgiveness at all, the payments are still going to be deferred for 10 months. So anything you owe, there's going to be that 10-month window deferral um, until you start paying, and then it's only going to be at that 1% rate. Wow. <clears throat> Where were you when I needed you six months ago? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, is, is there certain criteria required to receive the forgiveness that some companies may not have met or may not have been aware of? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, there's two really big things that could cut into the amount of your loan forgiveness. Um, first is how and when the loan proceeds were used, and then is what the business did during the period that the loan was in effect. Uh, both of these are statutory requirements rather than regulatory, so that means that they were set by Congress and can only be changed by Congress. So the Small Business Administration, or the SBA as they're commonly known, um, is taking sort of the big role in implementing these rules, but they are only able to implement and they can't change the rules as they've been set by the statute unless Congress comes through with the new act. Um, so if we're diving into sort of what can change a forgiveness amount, uh, first, there's only certain expenses that are eligible to be forgiven. So any PPP loan funds that you used for something that was not an eligible expense is not going to be eligible for forgiveness. Um, so the eligible expenses are, you know, the biggest one is the payroll expenses. So that's going to include salaries, wages, amounts paid for employee benefits, 401k, health insurance. Um, then you also have another eligible forgiveness amount for mortgage interest, as well as rents or lease payments and utilities. Um, now, when we're looking at forgiveness based on these uses, at least 60% of the total amount you're applying for for forgiveness has to be used for that payroll expenses. So you're, if you have payroll expenses that do not equal 60% of your entire loan amount, that's going to reduce how much you can have forgiven because 60% of the forgivable amount has to have been used for payroll expenses. And that was actually reduced by the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act um, back in June. Originally, the amount that the SBA was using was 75%. So that was a you know helpful for businesses that may have had more expenses on the other mortgage interest rent utilities as opposed to the, the payroll expenses. Um, the next thing that you look at is whether the funds were actually used during what the law refers to as the covered period. So originally when the loan was introduced, the covered period was just eight weeks. Um, back when these loan programs were introduced, we did not expect that this was going to be as long-term an issue um, as we were, you know, we've, we found out today. So many businesses came out of that eight-week period and were expressing the concern that they were not able to actually use their loan amount in eight weeks because they'd been shut down. You know, for example, the restaurants who'd been closed and could not open and had nothing to do with the money during an eight-week period. So that was a big driver behind this Flexibility Act, and Congress expanded the covered period to 24 weeks, so giving a much longer period um, for people to use the loan, 
though for folks who receive the loan you know, later in the year, it's 24 weeks or the end of the year, whichever is sooner. Um, so for the businesses that received the loan before the law went into effect in June, so before the tweak, they get to choose whether they're going to use an eight-week period or a 24-week period to use up their loan proceeds. Um, the benefit of the longer loan period is that it's going to give them more time to use up the loan. Um, the con of the longer loan period is that it creates a longer window during which the actions that the business takes can reduce the loan forgiveness amount, um, which segues me into sort of the final thing we look at when we talk about the loan forgiveness amount is whether any of these rules kick in to reduce the loan forgiveness amount. So basically what happens is we look at over the covered period, so whether you select the eight weeks or the 24 weeks as a business, um, we look at first whether the company has reduced the number of full-time employees or full-time equivalent employees that it had as compared to um, these selected dates that we look at prior to um, the COVID outbreak. So has there been a headcount reduction is sort of the common term that that's, that's being used to describe that. And then also whether the company has reduced the rate of compensation, so the salary or the hourly rate for employees who are making $100,000 a year or less. Um, basically, unless a safe harbor applies, if a business has reduced headcounts or compensation during their covered loan period, then there's going to be a proportionate reduction in the amount of the loan that's eligible for forgiveness. Is it true that if an employee uh, quits during that period of time, that you would not be dinged for that? Yes, so that gets us into the idea of the safe harbors. That's one of the safe harbors um, that goes into uh, goes into whether or not the headcount reductions are gonna count against you. So um, the way that it's structured, it wanders us a bit into the weeds, uh, but that's sort of inevitable when we're dealing with the PPP loans. Um, but there are a number of, of headcount reductions that don't count against you. Um, that includes if someone resigns, um, so they just leave voluntarily, if someone's terminated for cause, um, or if you offer the employee their job back um, and they choose not to come back. So if you, um, you know, have someone who is not willing to come back into work in person or who's still caring for children and has exhausted all their leave options, they aren't going to count against you. Same tr is true if you are have a, someone who's in a sort of specialty position with special skills um, that was eliminated back um, back when COVID started and, and there was reductions and you've been unable to rehire them. That's also not going to count against you. You said that Congress has to make uh, these regulations, therefore they're the ones that need to change the regulations. Uh, do you foresee Congress coming up with any other, um, any other alter, any way to alter the forgiveness? Uh, no, not at this point, as far as what we're expecting Congress to do. Really, the, the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act um, made a lot of the changes that folks were calling for. Um, the push now that we've seen in Congress has been uh, to do automatic forgiveness for loans under a certain amount. So there's been a number of bills floating around uh, that the SBLC has been supporting that would essentially provide forgiveness for these sort of micro PPP loans. So P there's a couple different bills as far as what the threshold would be. But if you took out 
less than 50,000 or you took out less than 100,000. So that's where they're what their focus has sort of been on today is some of these um, negotiating because really the banks are, are concerned about dealing with a flood of forgiveness applications. But as far as the rules that actually apply to how much you can get forgiven um, and the process and, and the d- reductions, those generally are not expected to change. Right. Jessica, I, I know that we struggled with the headcount situation, but we did not uh, necessarily struggle with the compensation because we uh, we looked at the uh, the PPP uh, situation and we tried to apply what the what the law was intended to do. So we kept everybody on uh, at full pay, and um, they, they necessarily weren't working, but. We, we, we intended to use the money the way it was intended to, to be used. However, we had the headcount problem. We had people that, that quit um, or do we had the fire for, for due cause. So we, we definitely were struggling in, in, in the situation with the eight-week period. Of course, then when they moved to the 24-week period, uh, we were able to get full forgiveness, or at least we hope that we're going to get full forgiveness. One of the things we did struggle with was the amount of the owner's compensation that is eligible for the loan forgiveness. Could you talk to that? Yeah, so there's there's no easy single answer to this question. Um, and I would suggest there's the SBA has actually done a nice job with some FAQs, um, putting them out. This one is um, answered for those of you who want to take a deeper dive and actually do the calculations. This one's going to be answered in question eight of the SBA's frequently asked questions on PPP loan forgiveness. Um, The reason I point you to that way is it's really going to depend on the type of business involved. So whether you're a C corporation, S corporation, partnership, what have you, um, then it's going to depend on whether the business was using that eight week or the 24 week covered period. Um, For borrowers who got the loan before June 5th, um, as I mentioned, you can choose whether you want to use that eight week or the 24 week period. that covered period is, is going to impact um, the amount that's eligible for forgiveness. There's also going to be a cumulative cap. So if you, depending on the covered period selected, so if you're an owner who has a stake and receives payments as an employee from multiple different entities that receive PPP loans, that's also going to come into factor. But if we're trying to simplify this, as a general rule, the caps are going to be around 20% what the owner-employee earned in 2019. Uh, but I would suggest, you know, if you're looking to actually calculate that out, the question eight of that FAQ on PPP loan forgiveness that the SBA has up on their website gives you the, the straight examples for each different type of business entity and how you'd calculate that. Got it. Got it. Great answer to a complicated question. Thank you. Um, next. Um, here we are coming up to the end of the year. When should a typical Cefesa company apply for forgiveness? I say that because here we are coming up to the end of the year. Many Cefesa companies' financial years are, are coincide with the year end. Uh, and I've already applied for forgiveness, as many Cefesa companies have, that have yet to gain full forgiveness. Uh, if do you have any um, any kind of concept whether if 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 a company has not applied yet for forgiveness whether they should try to apply before the end of the year or should they wait until next year? 
Yeah, so it depends entirely on sort of the case-by-case determination of what of these safe harbors the business is trying to fit themselves into. Um, The biggest factor to consider is whether the borrower is going to need to make use of any of the December 31st safe harbors, um, which I'll explain in just a moment. But if you essentially are trying to make use of any of the safe harbors that relate back to December 31st, obviously you're not going to want to apply early because you're going to be losing those safe harbors. Um, so what are the December 31st safe harbors? Um, just to give you some background and why why do you need to focus on those? That all gets back to the idea of the headcount question and the compensation reduction. So as I mentioned, it does get a little bit complex, but um, the SBA has put out a number of good question answers. Um, I also have a blog outlining this on our firm's website, which is Paley, P-A-L-E-Y, Rothman, R-O-T-H-M-A-N, So if you don't have to listen to this 30 times over, if you just want to go to one of those resources, but to give you this sort of top level on what I mean when I say the December 31st safe harbors. So as we talked about with the headcount, the big question is, did you reduce the number of employees and that's full-time equivalent employees or full-time employees um, that you had during the relevant period of time? Um, The way you calculate that is basically by um, using this analysis for calculating how many full-time employees you had during your eight-week or 24-week window, and then you choose one of two comparison periods. You can either choose January 1st through February 29th of 2020 or February 15th through June 30th of 2019. Uh, There's a special window for businesses with seasonal employees, but we'll set that aside. So if the average number of employees during your covered period is equal to or greater than the number of employees you had during the comparison period, your business is good to go. You're not going to need to look to any of these safe harbors with respect to the headcount reduction. The concern is if the average number during your covered period when you're taking that loan is lower than the comparison period, then unless you fall into one of these safe harbors, you're going to have a proportional reduction to the amount of your loan forgiveness. So say you only have 75% of the full-time and full-time equivalent employees that you did back a year ago, if you're using the June 2019 comparison date. Um, So you only have 75%, the number of employees during the covered period than you did during the comparison period. Well, unless you fall into a safe harbor, that's going to mean a 25% reduction in forgiveness amount. So obviously, the safe harbors become critical. So the December 31st safe harbor, we talked about some of the other safe harbors. So you know, if the employees um, resign, if the employees terminated for cause, if you offer them the job back and they don't come back, none of those folks are going to get counted against you. Um, But we also have this December 31st safe harbor. So basically, if the reduction in your headcount occurred between February 5th and April 26th, so when COVID got hot and heavy and you had to let people go, um, your business can avoid a reduction in your forgiveness amount if you, and what the uh, statute refers to, if you eliminate the reduction by December 31st. And what that means is that if by the December 31st pay period, your business has at least as many full-time employees and full-time equivalents as it did for the pay period that included February 15th of 2020, then you're not going to face a reduction uh, based on the reduction in headcount that occurred 
February 5th to April 26th. So for businesses that had that reduction in February through April and are going to need to look to correct that by December 31st, you want to make sure you're giving yourself the time to correct that so you're not applying for the loan, loan early um, because otherwise you're going to be applying for the loan and you're not going to be able to show you fit in that safe harbor because we haven't hit the December 31st um, deadline. Another one of the safe harbors that ties into um, December 31st is you also can have a safe harbor if you can show that you've been unable to return your business to the same level of activity um, as it was operating at before February 15th because of any of the um, Department of Health and Human Services, CDC, or OSHA requirements issued between March 1st and December 31st. So again, if you're dealing with a reduction and you may need to use um, one of these things that happens before December 31st, um, for example, if there are social distancing guidelines that you're going to be able to rely on to say, hey, we are trying to get our business back up to full speed by December 31st, but we can only have 20 people in the office. We used to have 40. This is why we have not been able to use that first December for 31st safe harbor that I mentioned. You're going to want to make sure that you go through the end of December to be able to show that and be able to explain um, why that happened. Now, when we're looking on the compensation side, so compensation reduction is in and of itself its own form of test to look at um, whether we're going to have a reduction in the loan forgiveness. Um, if you're looking at the compensation reduction, and this looks at whether the business, as I mentioned, the business has reduced the salaries of folks who are making $100,000 or less annually, and it's a reduction of 25% or more is going to count against the business unless they're able to fall in a safe harbor. Now, there's not going to be double penalties. So if the amount that the employee is being paid is because the employee is working less hours, that's going to count in that sort of first tranche when we talk about the headcount. It's not going to count when we talk about compensation. But if, for example, you reduced everyone's standard hourly rate by $3, that might impact it depending on what you're paying folks. Um, there is another December 31st safe harbor here when it comes to compensation, um, and that is that, again, if there was a compensation reduction that occurred between February 15th and April 26th, you have until December 31st to basically get that average back up, so increase pay to people so that the average that they've worked during the entire period through December 31st has gone back to being at least equivalent to what they were earning uh, before COVID kicked in. So the, the long answer to a short question is it really is going to depend on whether you can sit here and, and like you in your situation, if you can sit and say, we should be in good shape right now as it is. We didn't reduce any headcount. We didn't reduce compensation. We're good to go. We don't need any safe harbors. Then, you know, applying for loan forgiveness on the earlier side, there's really no downside to that. But if you're one of those businesses that's going to have to be negotiating these safe harbor rules, that is going to be critical for you to take a look at whether you need to use any of these December 31st safe harbors and then wait until you hit December 31st so you get to use those. Wow. Well, it sounds like the typical Cefesa company needs an expert like you to kind of navigate, navigate through this for sure. <laughs> I guess that's why they're, 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 they're talking about automatic forgiveness uh, for loans um, under a certain amount. I, I, thought that, I thought that amount was much higher, like a million or 500000 so exactly. That's why they're looking at it. There's been a lot of different proposals and lots of lobbying on, on the amounts. Um, 
the there were also when we talk about thresholds and a lot of the news coverage, um, the million dollar thresholds and some of those was whether there's going to be automatic audits. Um, so when we're talking about some of the thresholds, there are sort of two things, whether you're going to be able to have automatic forgiveness and with the big, big loans. So um, unlikely that most of the folks we're dealing with with SBLC and FESA members are going to have these. But with the big, big loans, uh, there may be automatic audits just to make sure they use the loan correctly and they actually needed the loans. Um, and that's by virtue of the fact that we saw some of these, you know, big companies, NBA teams, et cetera, taking PPP loans um, and raising some eyebrows. Right. Now, I know in, uh, in my little world in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, uh, we service many high-end restaurateurs, and they were uh, really crying the blues early on when it was uh, the eight-week window. Uh, and, um, you know, when they, when they ex expanded it 24 weeks, they still said that the majority of, um, of their expenses is rent. And many of them felt that they, they, they shouldn't take the PP loan because it really wasn't doing uh, any good for them. Um, do you think this, uh, the second round of PP, you, well, let me ask you this. So you, do you think there will be a second round of, of PPP loans? And who do you think that will be directed towards? So right now, so the last, there was sort of a second funding of PPP loans that occurred this summer. So we had the first tranche that essentially got exhausted within a week or two um, back when the, when the bill was introduced in April. Um, we had a second sort of refunding of PPP loans um, back this summer. Last I heard when they closed the PPP loan applications in August, uh, they still had money in there. So we were pushing particularly for groups like Cefesa, um, the trade associations and some of the other nonprofits had not been able to access PPP loans, depending on um, what section of the Internal Revenue Code they were classified under. So, um, you know, there has been some advocacy to let those groups who weren't originally able to access PPP loans in to access them. Um, as far as discussions of another tranche of PPP loans, um, you know, there has been some some talk of it. I wouldn't I wouldn't be recommending that businesses are relying on it because um, a lot more of the discussions have been towards targeting certain industries for relief. So as opposed to sort of everyone being eligible who was eligible before for a second round of PPP loans, um, we may be seeing more specific relief for you know restaurants, airlines, those most affected um, by the pandemic. But, you know, it, it, it's really going to depend. But the, the challenge for, for restaurants and businesses like that that were forced to close, like you said, um, that is part of the reason why they reduced the threshold that they had to be using for payroll costs from 75 to 60 percent. But still, there, a lot of their costs are going to be um, in the non-payroll space. So they may, even if they took a PPP loan, they may not be eligible for full forgiveness. So we may see some changes down the line um, to support businesses like that, that really um, PPP was not a good fit for them. I really hope so. I, I, I keep hearing that as many as 70% of uh, restaurants that are privately owned uh, could, could uh, go out of business if they don't get some help from the government here. Um, so I hope they do something. So here's the million dollar question for you. Uh, and, the, and the question that, um, that I hear most, uh, is the for forgiveness money taxable or is it not taxable? And let me, let me divide that up into two questions. Let's say that I have 100% forgiveness. How much of that money is taxable? Question mark. 
On the other, on the other hand, the second part of that question is, in your 75, 25% scenario, let's say 75% of it's forgiven, but 25 is not. 25 it turns into a loan. What, what is tax and what's not tax in that situation? So the typical rule under the IRS structure is that forgiven loans are taxable. So the Congress specifically wrote into the PPP legislation that forgiven PPP loans are not going to be included in, in federal taxable income. So if you had you know, a $500,000 PPP loan, it's forgiven. That amount is not going to be included in your taxable income. So that was built into the original law, not expected to change, and really, you know, great news for businesses that have been using the PPP loan that they're not going to see, you know, being that they're being taxed on the back end. Because the idea again was to give the struggling businesses, you know, a former access to essentially free money. Um, there has been some questions raised in sort of the academic spheres about whether the states will properly update their tax codes to make sure that PPP loans can be excluded from state taxes. Um, because again, typically the rule is that when you have a loan that is forgiven, um, you are taxed on the forgiven loan amount. However, we haven't seen any states taking the position at this point um, that they're going to be taxing PPP loan funds. Um, the important thing that I would note as far as when we're talking about the, the PPP and the tax implications um, is that right now the IRS has taken the position that business expenses that would normally be deductible but that were paid with PPP loans that are then forgiven are not going to be deductible for federal tax purposes. So what the IRS is really targeting here is sort of a concept of double dipping that basically if you're getting this free money from the PPP loans and you have it, you're using it to pay business expenses that you would otherwise take as a business deduction, you're not going to be able to take that deduction. And that's caused some serious concern for many businesses who, you know, calculate things out, you know, pretty far in advance as to what types of business deductions they're going to be eligible to take. And there's been quite a bit of pressure. We've seen some bipartisan bills in Congress that would reverse the position on this and basically allow businesses to still take the business deduction for expenses that were paid with forgiven PPP money, uh, but it's something we're still watching. And you know, one of the challenges that we're seeing is, and you mentioned, you know, everyone wants to see some movement on you know more relief, but we are still at an impasse. So whether they're able to get anything done during the lame duck session is sort of still a very big, big question mark. Um, so it's definitely going to be something to watch. But for now, businesses should be aware that they should not be expecting that any of the expenses they paid with PPP funds are going to be able to be subject to a business deduction. Right. So I'm hearing you that the expenses cannot be deducted. My accountant is my accountant is specifically telling me that the, the PP money that we received is going to be considered ordinary income. Therefore, it would be taxed. And you're, you're telling me the opposite, right? The, 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 it's clearly written into the, into the section that the, PPP, the forgiven amount of the PPP loan is not going to be taxed as federal taxable income. Interesting. So you, you, you see where there's a lot of people that are still um, not certain, at least the, the typical CFESA member um, is not 100% aware, aware of where, the, where they are and where they should be. So uh, what would you suggest that the typical Cefesa company does when considering full forgiveness? 
do you suggest that they, they reach out to someone like yourself? Um, I, I, I uh, assume that their accountant can handle this. Yeah. So, I mean, most of when it comes to the applications, uh, most folks are working with their accountants because they simply know the business and know the business finances really well. Um, so they're able to to better help make that calculation. And it is it is nice that the SBA does have a pretty good set of worksheets to go along with the um, with the applications for loan forgiveness. So um, if you as a business, you know, want to get started, I have a number of my clients that will sort of take pencil to paper and run their own calculations and then come back around and say, are, you know, are we applying this safe harbor correctly? Are we going to be able to fit into this safe harbor? Um, how is that going to work? Um, you know, that's, that's certainly something to open up. I mean, you, the hard part is, you know, obviously you don't want to incur significant costs just to get forgiveness on your loan, especially if the loan was smaller, hence why they're trying to uh, trying to do some automatic forgiveness. But I would say that most businesses, I'd say start with, um, you know, start with running some of your own calculations on the worksheet. See if you can if you can make an initial determination for a business like yours um, that did not have any changes to your workforce and basically kept paying people using the loan funds, um, you know, kept your payroll going, didn't lay anyone off except for the folks who may have voluntarily left. Um, you're going to be in a much easier loan application scenario than for folks who are going to be needing to run these calculations of, well, do I fit in this forgiveness window? Um, and can I qualify for these December 31st safe harbors? Um, for those folks, I would suggest, you know, trying to work with a professional perhaps to at least get some initial advice and calculation um, to know whether or not you fit in the safe harbor windows. And for people who are potentially still looking to qualify for December 31st safe harbor, now is the time to start looking at that because you have, you know, about a month and a half to start preparing to see if you can fix something that's already occurred in the past because you still have some time to fit into those December 31st safe harbors if they're a right fit for you, uh, but you need to take action as soon as possible to start planning for that. Got it. Got it. So, so at what point is the typical CFESA member able to use what they call the easy form? Yeah, so everyone wants to use the easy form. Um, it's a two-page, nice, simple application um, for, for loan forgiveness. So um, the bottom line is it's really going to only be usable for businesses that aren't going to need to be taking advantage of certain safe harbors. So you'll see with the there's actually a nice checklist that comes with the instructions for the easy form that lets you go through and check the boxes. And then you look back and say, well, if you checked any of those boxes, you're good to go and use the easy form if you didn't see the longer form. Um, so, you know, simplifying it, it's really going to be anybody who's self-employed with no employees, you can use the easy form. That's the, the easy one. Um, if you have employees, um, the, you'll be able to use the easy form. Basically, if you've had no reductions in compensation that exceed 25%, so you're not going to have any compensation um, related issues and either you didn't reduce the hours of employees or you can tie the reduction in the hours and employees to the business activity being reduced because of COVID. So that safe harbor we were talking about of the business um, not being able to fully function and operate. So basically the idea, the question is, have you kept compensation the same and have you either kept hours the same or been able to certify that you had this COVID related reduction that's explained on the form? If you did have some hours reductions, headcount reductions, uh, 
that may not directly tie back to COVID, then you're going to need to go to the longer form and use that form to sort of explain and mark through and perhaps use some of these more detailed, um, more detailed safe harbors. Hmm. Well, I have one more question for you here. And, um, and when we, um, uh, before we end, I do want you to give us again that website that you mentioned before. But um, the, my last question is, um, what, we talked about a lot here today, right? We talked about a lot of uh, a lot of issues, a lot of concerns, a lot of ways to get through the, through through this situation and get full forgiveness. What what is the most important takeaway you can you can say for our audience uh, about everything we just spoke of? I would say the most important takeaway is to you know t- don't put this aside until the end of your covered period. Um, if you're still in the middle of your covered period. Don't set this aside until December 31st. Take a look at this now. Look at what you can do now because there are, you know, there are people who are going to be able to help you, uh, but they are going to start getting slammed um, towards the end of December with everyone trying to deal with their safe harbors and get advice on their safe harbors. So acting now, going through and making that assessment, because as I mentioned, for some of the employers, you know, you basically have six weeks to change things that happened in the past and qualify yourself for the safe harbor that could be worth quite a bit of money when it comes to the loan forgiveness amount. Um, and, you know, if you don't end up with full forgiveness, like I said, it's a wonderful loan with wonderful loan terms, even if it ends up just being a loan. Um, so it's certainly it's certainly not um, not going to be any worse than taking out a loan under any other terms and it will probably be better. But obviously, doing what you can to set yourself up for that full forgiveness amount and asking questions and educating yourself. Um, as you know, you express, you know, sometimes the accountants, you know, we all want to say that, um, think that everybody knows everything with the professionals, but, you know, being sure that if, if something doesn't sound right, asking questions. And like I said, the SBA has a great set of FAQs on their website, both talking about sort of the general parameters of the Paycheck Protection Act pro- uh, program, as well as, just the general forgiveness. Um, and it also has great worksheets that you can start looking through yourself um, and either double checking or, or working through with your professional um, to try to figure out what you should be doing to set to set yourself up for maximum forgiveness. Well, that was a, a lot of information. That was fabulous information. Very, very good. You did mention the SBA as a, as a, uh, a place where you can get, you can get uh, good information. Uh, you also mentioned your own, own website. Could you give it to us again? Yeah, so we have some blogs up on our website, which is Paley, P is in Paul, A is in Apple, L is in Lion, E is in Elephant, Y is in Yam, No Space, Rothman, R is in Rabbit, O is in Otter, T is in Tom, H is in Harriet, M is in Man, A is in Apple, N is in Nancy. Dot com and if you go to our blog resources um, you'll see we have we've done a number of blogs on these um, on the full deep dive on um, the paycheck protection flexibility act and the new safe harbors um, we have an outline from june 12th that you'll be able to to take a look at and my email's on there so don't uh, hesitate to to drop me a line if you have any questions fantastic jessica thank you so much for spending time today to discuss this very important topic of PPP forgiveness. And I really, really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks so much for having me.